Welcome to Music History Monday for July 17, 2023. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title for today's podcast is Elaine Stritch and Appreciation. If you haven't already, please consider joining me on my subscription site at patreon.com slash robertgreenbergmusic, where I blog, vlog, podcast, pontificate, review, and bloviate four to six times a week. We mark the death on July 17, 2014, nine years ago today, of the Broadway and television actress Elaine Stritch in Birmingham, Michigan, at the age of 89. I personally have a soft spot in my heart for Ms. Stritch, the size of Manitoba. She was your quintessential brassy, tart-tongued, a euphemism for foul-mouthed, cigarette-smoking, alcohol-soaked blonde who took nothing from no one and could sell a song like nobody's business. Please note that I didn't say sing a song, but rather sell a song. Her ability to do so will be discussed in tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes post. It is my great hope that by the time you finish this Music History Monday and tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes posts, you will have come to love her almost as much as I do. My decision to profile Elaine Stritch is, in my estimation, a great sign of respect, given the other musical events of the day. Both the tenor saxophonist John Coltrane and the singer Billie Holiday died on this date, in 1967 and 1959, respectively. Be assured that both of these luminaries, Coltrane and Holiday, will receive their due on these pages sooner or later. On this date in 1972, James Brown released his seminal funk song, Papa's Got a Brand New Bag, which went on to sell over two million copies and received a Grammy Award for Best Rhythm and Blues Recording. On this date, again in 1972, a bomb exploded under an equipment van in Montreal belonging to the Rolling Stones. Believed to be the work of French separatists, we'd observe that the bombing might have simply been intended as a critical statement. The American jazz pianist and composer Vince Guaraldi, 1928-1976, was born on this day in San Francisco in 1928. For lots more on Guaraldi and the iconic music he created for the Charlie Brown TV specials, I would direct your attention to my Dr. Bob Prescribes post for December 24th, 2019. On this day in 1935, the American composer, teacher, and comedic musician Peter Schickele, also known as P.D.Q. Bach, was born in Ames, Iowa. For lots more on Professor Schickele, I would direct your attention to my Dr. Bob Prescribes post for September 21st, 2021. Finally, on July 17th, 1717, 306 years ago today, 
George Frederick Handel's orchestral suites in F major and D major, together known as his water music, received their premiere during a royal cruise down the River Thames from Whitehall to Chelsea. For lots more on what was, we can well imagine a most memorable cruise, I would humbly direct your attention to Music History Monday for July 17, 2017, which predates Patreon, but can be found at the indicated link. Elaine Stritch, in her own words. No one can talk about the pivotal moments in Elaine Stritch's life better than Elaine Stritch herself. In 2008, at the age of 83, she sat down and did an extensive interview with the New York Times. That lengthy video interview appeared alongside Stritch's obituary in the New York Times. It can be accessed at the link provided. I am assuming that most of you do not want to sit through the entire interview, so I've transcribed a few of what I consider to be its most relevant passages for your listening pleasure. According to the interview, Elaine Stritch was born into a wealthy, quote, inflexibly Catholic family, unquote, in Detroit, Michigan. Growing up, she attended a convent school in nearby Bloomfield Hills. In 1942, at the age of 17, Stritch fled Detroit for New York City, where she attended the dramatic workshop at the New School of Social Research and studied alongside an unknown actor from Omaha, Nebraska, by the name of Marlon Brando, 1924-2004. Soon after she arrived in New York, the young Ms. Stritch went out on a date with Brando and, at the end of the evening, found herself back at his apartment. He excused himself for a moment and came back wearing naught but his pajama bottoms. Poor Elaine just didn't know what to make of the entire scene. Quote, My expectations were naive. I was just madly in love with him. That's all I knew. And I knew that when you go to someone's house, they don't put their pajamas on. They just don't. I was just 17, and I did not know. I couldn't have told you, but I knew it was wrong. It scared me. I'm 17 years old. I'm in drama school in New York City, and Marlon Brando was very anxious to see what was going on with this convent girl. He was curious, and basically, like every other man in the world, he doesn't want to be turned down. I knew about kissing, and that was it. I knew that there was something beyond that, but I had no idea of what it was. And as a result from that evening, he stopped speaking to me." Unquote. Yeah, during her one-person show, Elaine Stritch at Liberty, she further recalled that evening, quote, Marlon, what's wrong with your cat? He's in heat. Why don't you open the window? Unquote. A bit further on in the New York Times interview, Stritch is asked, 
You said you were a virgin until you were 30. Is that true? Her response to that question was clearly not what the interviewer anticipated. Stritch narrowed her eyes, tightened her lips, and her famous, or rather infamous, temper rose to the surface. Quote, Why would I say it if it wasn't true? Do I sound or look like the kind of dame that tells lies? I don't think so. So I'm not going to say that I resent that question, but why would I say that? For a laugh? I don't think there's anything funny about being a virgin at 30. Unquote. My comment for the record, most definitely there's nothing funny about being a virgin at 30. Booze. Stritch was all of 14 when she had her first drink, an experience that went on to cause her problems for the next four decades. Quote, I'm an alcoholic, a recovering, ongoing alcoholic. And when I got sober, I began to realize that I had choices. I didn't have to have five, six, seven martinis. I wasn't drunk every day, but I drank every day. I'm so glad I don't anymore, but I miss it. How I miss it." Unquote. For our information, in her late 80s, Stritch allowed herself to begin drinking again, and she did so until the end of her life at the age of 89 in 2014. In yet another interview, this one in the New York Times Magazine, she said of resuming drinking, quote, I'm almost 89. I'm going to have a drink or two a day. I know how to handle it. So there, unquote. The developing career. Like so many Broadway wannabes, Elaine Stritch began her acting career in small off-Broadway shows. But she dreamed her dream, and that dream came true. She caught a break as Ethel Merman's understudy in the musical Call Me Madam, which opened in 1950 when Stritch was 25 years old. Call Me Madam led to a role in the 1952 revival of Pal Joey. Her role in Pal Joey was her ticket to stardom, and for the next 50-plus years, she was a mainstay on the Broadway stage. Among the luminaries Stritch worked with and befriended early in her career was the legendary British playwright, songwriter, actor, and singer, Noel Coward. Quote, I did a musical called Sail Away with Noel Coward. For our info, Sail Away opened on October 3rd, 1961, with its book, lyrics, and music all by Mr. Coward. My mother and dad came to New York for the opening, naturally, and mother met Noelle Coward. Wow. She just flipped. You know how some famous people treat your relatives? This is my sister, and they say, hello, and walk away. Noelle Coward was gracious and warm to everybody, and when he met my mother, he knew how to rob a train, believe me. That Christmas that I was in Sail Away on Broadway, Noelle sent Mother a Christmas card. 
Well, it was the talk of the town, and Mother would take this Christmas card everywhere she went, to the Bloomfield Hills Country Club, to luncheons, everywhere. Oh, look what I have in my bag. I need to show you this. And it would be Noel Coward's Christmas card. Merry Christmas, Noel Coward. So, the next year, Sail Away had closed, and Noel Coward did another musical on Broadway, The Girl Who Came to Supper, starring Florence Henderson. And that Christmas, Mother didn't get a Christmas card. So she knew where Noel lived, because I had told her, and my mother sent Noel a cable. And it is now framed on his landing in Switzerland. I don't know if it's still there now, but it was for all the years he was alive. And the cable said, Dear Noel, first name basis, you know, Well, 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 I guess you have to be Florence Henderson's mother to get a card this year. I'm telling you, he adored that. I mean, that was Noel Coward humor. That could have gone right into a play." Unquote. Elaine Stritch and Stephen Sondheim Of all the people she worked with over the course of her career, Elaine Stritch's most important Broadway relationship, that single person whose work she is most closely associated with, is Stephen Sondheim. 1930-2021. During the New York Times interview we've been quoting, she was asked what her relationship with Stephen Sondheim is like. Quote, Oh, I wish I knew. I think I do a little bit. I'm in love with Steve Sondheim, always have been, and he's one of the most physically attractive and certainly mentally talented people alive. I think Steve admires me in certain ways, but he certainly doesn't want to spend time with me." Unquote. But he certainly doesn't want to spend time with me. Hmm. In another interview, also given in 2008, Stritch explains what she meant by that. Quote, Sondheim frightens me, the enormity of his talent and how he handles that talent. I'm terrified of him because while I get along with Steve, as long as I'm working with him, he's almost impossible to sit back and relax with. I think a lot of people will understand what I'm talking about and would agree. When we're talking about work, I'm fine with him. But small talk, forget about it. I don't want any part of that. It takes too much out of me. And God knows, neither does he. He probably has very few people in his life that he relaxes with, and I'm certainly not one of them. You don't expect to have an easygoing visit with him. It's impossible." Unquote. Recognition delayed. In 2002, at 77 years of age, Stritch opened in her one-woman autobiographical show Elaine Stritch at Liberty. It turned out to be her biggest Broadway hit. After having been nominated for four Tony Awards over the years, she finally received one for Elaine Stritch at Liberty. 
As the saying goes, recognition delayed is recognition denied. And instead of being gratified by the valedictory nature of her Tony, Elaine Stritch was pissed. Asked in the interview how she felt about finally receiving her Tony, Stritch most candidly replied, quote, The theater took too long to give me a prize. It took too long, and I'm angry. Finally, I got one. I said, there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is that I have a terrific acceptance speech for a Tony. The bad news is I've had it for 45 years. The good news is I finally won a Tony. The bad news is they cut the speech. The first Tony I'd ever won in the theater. For all I've done in the theater, I was nominated like six or seven times. Okay, four actually. And I finally won and the music cut into me after my three minutes? Wrong. They should not have done that." Unquote. OMG. To say that Elaine Stritch's honesty and vulnerability tug at my heartstrings is an absurd understatement. We are all told that when our own careers go unrewarded, we should grin and bear it and pretend as if prizes are unimportant. We are told that true recognition must come from within. We are told that we must always appear to be happy for someone else when they win an award we've coveted, that we should never badmouth a winner even when we know in our heart of hearts that they couldn't hold our jockstraps and that their work is grossly inferior to our own. What can I say beyond been there, done that? Yes, sitting on the sidelines sucks, particularly when the people on the field don't deserve to be there. No doubt such is life, and life isn't fair. Nevertheless, Everyone around us tells us to keep a stiff upper lip, roll with the punches, and don't let the bastards know that we're hurting. Well, Elaine Stritch wasn't afraid to say what the rest of us feel, and I, for one, love her for it. As previously mentioned, the New York Times interview we've been quoting took place in 2008, when Stritch was 83 years old. At the time, she was as busy as ever, and the sort of recognition she believed she had always deserved was finally rolling in. As previously noted, in 2002, she finally won a Tony Award. In 2007, she won an Emmy Award for her role as Colleen Donaghy on the NBC sitcom 30 Rock, on which she appeared as Alec Baldwin's mother from 2007 to 2012. For Stritch, by the way, it was her fourth Emmy Award. Her first came in 1993 for a guest role on Law and & Order, and both her second and third in 2004 for the HBO documentary about her one-woman show, Elaine Stritch at Liberty. Stritch's acceptance speech for the first of her 2004 Emmy Awards is linked. Frightening. During the course of the interview, Stritch is asked 
if she thinks people are frightened of her? Her one-word response? Yes. When asked why, Stritch responds, quote, Because I'm frightening. I frighten myself sometimes. I'm definite. I put up a defense while I'm frightening everybody else. I don't mean to be, but I am. I don't realize how cross I get and how impatient I get." Unquote. During the interview, Stritch explained her incentive for continuing her career at an age, 83, that most folks consider ripe for retirement. Quote, I just can't quit at the moment. First of all, because as soon as I work, all of my arthritis goes away. What the hell is that? Is somebody trying to get funny with me? And now it's been two weeks since I closed Elaine Stritch at Liberty. I've got arthritis again. You can't win. You can't win. And I guess it's good you can't because as soon as you do win, it's too much Christmas and you can't stand that either. So what the hell are we going to do? Unquote. Stritch is asked how she wants to be remembered. Quote, how? Whatever you think is fair. The most important thing to me is that I am. And I don't know, it's all going to be such a revelation. I mean, I look at death as, my God, what an experience, what an adventure. And if there's nothing? Are you kidding? There'll be no more interviews. Unquote. Tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes post is going to offer up something a bit different from the usual. Instead of prescribing a particular audio or video recording of the irascible and magnificent Elaine Stritch performing, I am going to offer up for your listening and viewing pleasure a series of Elaine Stritch videos accompanied, of course, with commentary, explanations, and no small bit of editorial opinion. Frankly, all of it fanboy positive. You will enjoy it, guaranteed. Until then, thank you. To sample and download one or all of my many courses on subjects musical produced by The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company, please visit my website at robertgreenbergmusic.com.